There are a number of items available in the tax code to assist taxpayers paying for qualified education expenses. Learn about the tax credits, deductions, and even a way to eliminate penalties on IRA distributions before age 59 and a half. Welcome to the Accounting Tips for Entrepreneurs podcast. My name is Jeff Skolnick and I'm a CPA with 35 years of experience working with small business owners, entrepreneurs, and network marketers on how to make their business more successful by understanding how taxes can work in their favor and not hurt their business. Each and every week I'm going to come to you with short, quick, and helpful tips on not only how to make sure you are doing everything possible to minimize your income tax liability, but also how to create the income for your business that you truly deserve. There are a number of items available in the tax code to assist taxpayers paying for qualified education expenses. These include tax credits, deductions, and even a way to eliminate penalties on IRA distributions before age 59 and a half. I will start with the two different credits available for higher education, tuition, and fee expenses. They are the American Opportunity Credit and the Lifetime Learning Credit. You are only able to use one of these credits per student in any tax year. I'm going to start with the American Opportunity Credit, and this is available for any student within his or her first four years of post-secondary education. The maximum credit allowed is $2,500. In addition, 40% of the credit is a refundable credit. This means it would be allowed even if income tax was reduced to zero. An example of this would be where a taxpayer has an income tax liability before any credits of $1,500. If the taxpayer had one child eligible for the maximum credit of $2,500, the first 60% or $1,500 would offset the income tax, bringing it down to zero. The refundable portion of $1,000 would be allowed as a refund. Uh, I just wanted to point out here the difference between a tax credit and a tax deduction. A tax deduction will reduce your income by a percentage. In other words, if you have a $1,000 tax deduction and you're in the 22% bracket, you will have a $220 reduction in your tax liability. A tax credit will reduce your tax liability dollar for dollar. So in other words, if you have a $1,000 tax credit it will reduce your tax liability by 1000 again the deduction would only have reduced it by 220 dollars so there's a big difference between the two credits are much more valuable just wanted to point that out okay so the way you calculate this maximum of 2500 dollars for the american opportunity credit is it's 100 percent of the first two thousand dollars of tuition and required fees and 25% of the next $2,000 of such fees. Qualified fees include tuition, required student activity fees, books, supplies, and equipment. Room and board do not qualify. Eligible students must also be enrolled in a program that leads to a degree, must be taking at least 50% of the course load needed to be considered full-time, and not have any felony conviction for possessing or distributing a controlled substance. There are also income phase-outs for this credit. 
This credit begins to phase out for individuals with income between $80,000 and $90,000, to $180,000 for joint filers. Married taxpayers filing separately do not qualify for the American Opportunity Credit. The second credit is Lifetime Learning Credit. This is a non-refundable credit, so you can only take this up to your tax liability. The credit is 20% credit on the first $10,000 of qualified tuition and fees paid for the taxpayer, spouse, or dependents. The maximum credit is therefore $2,000. This credit is per taxpayer, not per student. So again, if you had three children in college, you could potentially get $7,500 on the American Opportunity Credit, where the lifetime learning credit will allow you a total of $2,000 for the household. Okay, uh, there is no degree or workload requirement. This credit is also not limited to the first four years of post-secondary education. There are also income phase-outs for the lifetime learning credit. This credit begins to phase out for individuals with income between fifty-seven dollars and $67,000, $114,000 to $134,000 for joint filers, and just like the American Opportunity Credit, married taxpayers filing separately will not qualify for the lifetime learning credit. Now, in addition to these two credits, as I said, uh, there are some other programs available, uh, and I wanted to start with um, something called the 529 plan. Technically, this is really called a qualified tuition program. These plans are better known as 529 plans, which really just refers to the Internal Revenue Code section in which they are defined. These plans allow individuals to prepay or contribute to an account for paying a student's qualified education expenses. While there are a number of parts to these plans, the basics are the following. Contributions to these plans are not tax deductible. However, if used for eligible educational expenses, None of the income earned will be taxable. Eligible education expenses include tuition and fees, books, supplies, equipment, and room and board. Although when you're dealing with room and board, there are certain rules to be closely followed in this area. Beginning in 2018, it is now possible to use a $10,000 per year per beneficiary for either elementary or secondary education expenses. This is obviously very helpful to those with children in private schools. And if what you wanna do is also coordinate your 529 plan with the gift taxes. And what I mean by that is this, you are allowed to give anybody up to $15,000 per year without having to report anything to the government. Um, you can still give people more than $15,000 a year. You're just going to have to report a gift tax return. But when you're dealing with a 529 plan, the IRS, in order to allow taxpayers to establish a college fund a little quicker, will allow you up to five years of the annual exclusion, or in this case, five times 15 is $75,000. So again, a married couple would be allowed $150,000 per a beneficiary per a, per a student now the only thing about it is if you put out that $75,000 you are borrowing that $15,000 annual exclusion for the next four years so you are not allowed to give that child any more gifts for the next four years 
the same expenses may not be used for the American Opportunity or Lifetime Learning Credits and for 529 distributions or Coverdale ESA distributions, which I'm going to discuss in a minute. So in other words, and I'm going to go over this again, but you can possibly use expenses that will make your 529 withdrawals not deduct, um, not taxable. And you may also use expenses that generate an American Opportunity Credit. You just can't use the same expense for more than one category. Now, a Coverdale Educational Savings Account. Uh, for beneficiaries under 18 years old, you can contribute $2,000 to an education savings account, sometimes referred to as education IRAs or just ESAs. Married taxpayers filing jointly, making the contribution, will have this $2,000 figure phased out when their modified adjusted gross income is between $190,000 and $220,000. For everyone else, including those married filing separately, the phase-out occurs between ninety-five dollars and $110,000. Like the 529 plan, ESA contributions are not deductible. However, if used for eligible education expenses, none of the income earned will be taxable. So eligible expenses are basically the same as those allowed for 529 plans. Now again, keep in mind, the same education expenses cannot be used more than once they can be used for the american opportunity credit lifetime learning credit 529 plan coverdale esa but only one type in a year and again you may be able to utilize more than one benefit type in a year in other words the american opportunity credit and a 529 plan but you could not use the same expense to be used for both uh, i want to go over a couple other benefits that are available with regards to education one is for student loan interest. Taxpayers can deduct up to $2,500 of interest paid on qualified education loans. This deduction begins to phase out for individuals with income between $65,000 and $80,000, one thirty to one sixty dollars for joint filers. Married taxpayers filing separately do not qualify for the student loan interest deduction. In addition, this deduction is allowed for taxpayers, to, for taxpayers whether they itemize on their tax return or not. Okay, now I want to talk about the exception to a 10% penalty in IRA, IRA withdrawals before age 59 and a half. Typically, if you take money out of an IRA before age 59 and a half, you incur a 10% penalty for early withdrawal. And this rule I'm about to give you only works for IRAs. This does not work if you pull money out of a different type of a retirement plan, for example, a 401k plan. But if you pull money out of an IRA for education expenses, um, if you use it for qualified education expenses of yourself, your spouse, child or grandchild, this will exempt the money from the 10% penalty for early withdrawal. You'll still have to pay income tax on it, but you won't have to pay the 10% penalty for early withdrawal. Uh, and eligible expenses are basically the same as those allowed by the 529 and Coverdale plans. And again, the, the main difference between them and the expenses allowed for the American Opportunity Credit and Lifetime Learning Credit is the room and board, which is allowed for the 529 and the um, ESAs, uh, which again are the education IRAs, 
as well as this 10% penalty. So I want to give you a tax planning tip. If you're in a position where you are unable to receive any benefit from the education deductions or credits that I've previously discussed, it may make sense for you to not claim your child, especially if they have income. If you're self-employed, you may want to actually employ your child so they can generate some income. But I know when my daughter was in college, she used to work and make eighteen to twenty thousand dollars a year as a waitress. So especially if they make more than twelve thousand dollars, you can get rid of their tax liability by not taking them as dependent on your return and allowing them to take the educational credits and allow and and offset their income. Now you would obviously have to weigh this out to see what benefits you would lose by not claiming your child and how much money they would save, you know, by being on their own on their tax return. Thanks again for listening to the Accounting Tips for Entrepreneurs podcast. If you could please head over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Spotify and leave me a five-star rating and write a review. Also, please connect with me on social media. If there are any tax or accounting-related topics you would like me to cover, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. If you are that small business owner or entrepreneur that really wants to learn more about how to minimize your tax liability and maximize your income, just head over to www.jeffcpaworld.com and I'll see you over there. Have a great day.